You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. All right, well, if you guys have a copy of God's Word, whether that's in physical format or digital, Go ahead and pull that out and join me in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. Colossians 2, verses 6 through 8. And some of y'all are already thinking, man, that's only three verses. We're going to get out early today. I just want to let you know, when I timed this yesterday, it took me three hours to get through it. I tried to slim it down as best as I could. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. As y'all are turning there or finding uh, your way through the app that you're using for the Bible to make it to Colossians 2, verses 6 through 8, uh, you saw on the bulletin a question uh, that said, what could go wrong? Had a guy hanging from a uh, clock tower that looks like he was either about to do a prank or something happened to where he's just hanging off there and he's answering his own question of what could possibly go wrong. We're in a season now where our graduates are going to be graduating. They're going to be moving to different towns, different colleges, different experiences, different, just, just a different way of life. And so they're probably wondering, what's the worst that could happen? What is the worst that could happen? We often ask ourselves that to try and downplay our anxiety a little bit, unless you're an anxious person and you ask yourself that, and then you make a numbered list of everything that could possibly go wrong with footnotes. Or you tell your kids, hey, you've played Fortnite enough, go play in the park. And they freak out a little bit, and you're like, what's the worst that could happen if you go and play in a playground? Well, you might wind up like this guy right here. I don't know how that happens, but it happened. (laughs) Or you let someone borrow something, and you're like, well, I'm going to run the ladder over to Uncle Ronnie. What's the worst that could happen? Well... You might want to check the clearance before you, before you take off. Otherwise, you'll wind up like this. Or a friend asks you, hey, would you mind being an usher in my wedding? And you think, yeah, what's the worst that could happen? I'm just going to straighten my hair too, and it might look good. We'll see what happens. Or not. We'll, you'll see in a second. Fun fact, on the far right, that's me at a very young age. (laughs) Shortly after that, I cut it off and kept my hair this length, because never again. Never again. But that's the question of the season, is what is the worst that could happen, right? What is the worst that could happen? Wherever God may take us, we we tend to ask ourselves, what is the worst that could happen? And we'll answer that a little bit later on, Uh, but if you'll join me in Colossians 2, verses 6 through 8, we'll read through that, uh, and then we'll pray, and then we'll break it down. Starting in verse 6, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we could come together to study your word. God, I pray that in this time you would open our hearts and minds to your word. God, I pray that our minds would be renewed by the study of your word. I pray that you would speak in this time, that you would speak boldly and clearly. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So as we go through life, we often wonder, what is God's will for our lives? Because we want to know, if we're going to be Christians, we want to follow God, and we want to follow whatever plan it is that he has for our life. But oftentimes, our approach to that is a bit of an awkward one. I found this uh, article, it's not a real article, it's, it's, it's uh, humorous or satire, but this article that talks about finding God's will of your life. The headline says, man sitting literally three feet away from the Bible asks God to speak to him. If you want to know what God is saying or what God's word is, you usually start in there. It's not wrong to pray, but if you want a, a more immediate answer, you open up his word because it is his word. And so my encouragement to you students, and this isn't, and I want folks to think that this message is only for the graduating students today. It is for everyone in this room. The first thing that we have to do in order to discern what God's will is, in order to actually walk in him, as it says here in Colossians 2, is to be devoted to his word. If the only time that we're getting into God's word is on a Sunday morning, then we're not really walking with him. We're just dipping in a little bit, getting a little bit, and then walking off and doing our own thing. We're not really walking in step with God. We, In order for us to walk with God, we have to stay walking with him, which is really our first point. We have to stay and walk with God or stay in God's word. Now, I don't exercise a whole lot. Um, It's just not something I do. I find it very difficult and it's just too hard. But in the rare instances that I do walk, me and Camilla will go on walks or we'll go on bike rides um, and we ignore each other. I'm kidding, we don't. We talk because it's in those moments where we walk and we talk and we share these moments where we get to cultivate our relationship, we get to learn about each other, talk about each other's day, and just grow. But the sad thing is we often don't have that same approach when it comes to our walk with God. Oftentimes, we don't really talk to God. We tend to have a more lone wolf Christianity mindset where we do everything ourselves, but we don't lean on God. So if we're to continue walking in God this morning for the rest of our lives, not only do we stay in God's word, but we also stay in communication with God. Ephesians 6.18 breaks this down in regards to prayers where we should be praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So we as Christians, it's not a matter of whether or not we might pray. No, it's when are we going to pray and what we're going to say. So in order for us to continue to walk in God, again, we have to stay in God's Word and we have to stay in communication with God. That's how our relationship is cultivated. That's how our relationship with God grows. And anyone that has a garden knows that when you cultivate a garden, things grow, but your plants also take root. It says here in the text that we are to be rooted 
and built up in him. We are to be rooted and built up in him. And so if we are going to be rooted and built up in him, then we have to be in God's word. We have to be praying to God. We have to be studying God's word. We can't just be getting sound bites of the Bible off Twitter. We have to do some in-depth studying. And, it, and what's kind of scary about our culture these days is that when it comes to this idea of studying, we don't really want to do that. We tend to just read the headlines rather than read just the, the article itself to see why the headline is what it is. When it comes to the Bible, we tend to just get sound bites from Twitter or from curly-haired pastor in Houston or whoever. A couple of people are like, who is he talking about? We'll get to it later. But we have to study God's word. We have to be in God's word. We have to be praying to God. Because the thing is, we often don't really dig deep in our faith. We tend to stay on the surface. But when you read the book of Acts, you come across a group of Jewish believers called the Bereans. Now, the Bereans are some of my favorite people. These are the people I would hang out with. These are the people I talk about, the stu- talk about with the students a lot. The Bereans were a group of Jewish believers who would go and listen to philosophical teachings or the preaching of the Bible. They would take notes. They would go meet at the Hebrews coffee corner. I got that from Russ. It's a good one. They would go meet at, they would go meet at the local coffee shop and compare what they heard with the Bible. And if they found what they heard to be not in line with the Bible... They wouldn't listen to it anymore. They would just do away with it. But if what they heard was in line with the Bible, they would go and get more teaching. They would go and listen to this person more. They would ask the question, is this true and accurate? And so in so doing, they were heavily dedicated to the truth. They were heavily dedicated to the Bible. They were heavily dedicated to the study of God's word, of walking with God in his word, but also praying with him. And in so doing, this draws to mind Psalm 1, which will be on the screen as well, but if you want to go over there, you can. But in Psalm 1 is a good illustration of Colossians 2, verses 6 through 7. Now we're going to read all six verses. It's not too long. But Psalms 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Do you delight in the law of the Lord? Do you get hyped over God's word? Do you delight in God's word? On his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Verse 4, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Verse 5, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And verse 6 ends with, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. See, that's a promise from God that if we walk with God, then we may not get everything that our heart desires, but he will provide for us, he will take care of us, and he will ensure that we have a hope in him. And so we are to walk in him through God's word, through prayer, to be rooted and built up through the study of his word and established 
in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Point number three is remember. You know, graduates, as you guys go through school, and even students, uh, people who have graduated, people who have maybe grown up in church all your life, you remember probably that one Sunday school teacher that was your favorite, but maybe wasn't your favorite at first. But you remember the things that they taught. You remember the biblical things that they taught you. They, you remember just seeing how they lived life. And in so doing, that somehow shaped you. Their legacy lives on in you. And so if we're to be established in our faith, we're to remember what it is that we were taught. And if you want to know how best to honor your teachers, your Sunday school teachers, your pastor, youth pastor, it's to take what it is that you have learned and to put it into practice not to put it in a box and then put it in the closet along with everything else. Now, I read this kind of alarming statistic, um, read several different statistics, and what I come to find out is that roughly 70 to 85% of high school graduates leave the church within their first two years of college. That's scary. And students, my encouragement to you is to not be part of that statistic. And the best way you can do that is by following these verses here. Walk in God through his word. Pray to God. Stay in communication. Be rooted and built up in him through the study of his word. Establish your faith. And remember those that have gone before you. Remember those that have gone before you. And another thing that... that I would urge you all to do because when you get out of college, you get out of the house, you kind of are on your own. You're like, oh, I don't have a bedtime anymore. I can eat whatever I want. So it's hot pockets 24-7. The other thing that we tend to think is, oh, I don't really need to go to church anymore. That was just a family thing. I, I'm just, I don't need to do that. But the thing is, is that no person had ever strayed from their faith because they were hanging around other Christians. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 even encourages us to not forsake or abandon the gathering of believers. As it says here, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Church family, that's not just for Sunday. That's every day. Students, as you graduate, don't abandon hanging out with other Christians. I'm not saying you can't hang out with people who aren't Christians. But what I'm saying is don't abandon hanging out with other Christians. Because it's through that that you will have security. You will have people watching your back. You will be sharpening one another. You will be growing together. You will be learning and praying for one another. And you will, in so doing, encourage one another to continue to seek Christ, to continue to be rooted and built up in him, to continue to walk in him. And in so doing, you will probably find some of your best friends for life. So, point number one, stay in God's word. Point number two, stay in communication with God. Number three, remember those that have gone before you, the things that you have been taught. And because I can't count, because I was bad at math, Point number four, which should have been in there, um, don't abandon other Christians. 
Even when you feel like the best thing for you to do is to get alone, to just think and be by yourself, don't stay there too long. Jesus went away to pray at times, but he also came back to the disciples to continue teaching, to continue fellowship. Don't abandon hanging out with other believers. The result of all this is abounding in thanksgiving. So walking with God leads to a life marked with gratitude. As we think about these things, as we remember people, it becomes a life of gratitude for folks like maybe the single mom who has uh, women in the church who loved them and supported them and their child all through high school or beyond or whenever it is they come into the church. Gratitude for the high school graduate who is nervous about their future but knows that they have a family right here in Farwell that they can come back to or call at any time. Gratitude for the person battling some kind of addiction knowing full well that they have a band of brothers or sisters right beside them here at their church home. Gratitude for a place that they can call home and a family to come home too. That is what we are to do as a body of believers. We're to stay in God's word. We're to stay in communication with God. We're to remember those that have gone before us, and we're to use that to sharpen others and to build one another up, to establish each other in our faith so that we may live lives marked with gratitude to God for what it is he has done in our lives. Students, that's my challenge to you. Church family, that's my challenge to you is to walk in God. But I mentioned earlier the question of what's the worst that could happen, right? What's the worst that could happen when we go off to college or we go out into just the world? What's the worst that could happen? Well, I think if you don't have to go to Twitter for this, you can turn on the local news. You can, I mean, it doesn't take hardly any time at all on social media or watching the news to realize that we live in a world that is marked by 2 Timothy 4.3 where people just seek to have their ears tickled. They just want to hear what they want to hear, and if they hear anything opposite of that, they tune you out, or in worst cases, they shout you out. And what's scary is we see some, we, we see even within the church, people are going to sermons that instead of talking about the reality of sin and our need for Christ, they just hear something that is a little bit encouraging and doesn't really give us what we need. Listen to, to sermons that say, well, if we follow God, if we stand by his truth, if we stand by his river of truth, then he will prosper us with a big bank account. Or a philosophy that says that you are your own moral compass. If it feels good, do it. What's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. And students, if you haven't heard that yet, trust me, you will hear it at college. More than likely from your professors and other students. We live in a world that is marked by that. And now more than ever, as I've stated before, we need to be like the Bereans in the book of Acts. Whenever you hear something, as you go off to college, you hear a philosophy or some kind of thing that doesn't sound necessarily right, you need to take notes, be like the Bereans, and bring it back to the Bible and ask yourself, is this accurate? Is this true? Now, I know this is going to be hard because it might take you a lot longer than just a quick Google search. It might take you a couple hours of study. But in the end, it'll be worth it. Because here's the thing, is that these philosophies, these empty deceits that Paul is referencing here, they don't just come in and drag you kicking and screaming into believing it. No, they captivate you because they make it sound good at first. 
It's how the prosperity gospel works. It's how all sorts of false gospels work. It's how all sorts of philosophies work. They start off by making it sound good, maybe even manipulating your guilt a little bit into thinking, oh, well, this, 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 this sounds right. This sounds good, like it's helping other people. But when you bring it back to Scripture, you realize it's not. It's not. And that's why I encourage you guys, and students, I've told you this before, I'll tell the rest of the church as well, is that you know I'm going to do my best to make sure that, that, that what you hear when I teach on Wednesday nights and, and Sunday mornings in Sunday school is accurate, but take notes. Because if I get something wrong, I want you to call me out on it. I don't want you to believe in something false. And in the same way as you go to church, do the same thing. As you move on to other churches and the cities that you're going to, hold that, same pa- hold that pastor up to that same level of accountability. Hold that college pastor up to that same level of accountability. Because it's all too often that we hear the word of God taught and we think that just because it came from the word of God or someone rooted it in the root of God, that it's accurate. And so we fall in line with it. We fall in line and then pretty soon we realize that we're being devoured by wolves and their false teaching. So students, my other encouragement is to not be captivated by these philosophies, these empty deceits, these popular hot-button things that you will hear in college, things such as intersectionality, socialism, uh, all sorts of things. And if you haven't heard those terms before, I highly encourage you to spend the afternoon Googling those and learning what they are and then bringing it back to the Bible so you figure out how they are incompatible with Scripture because you will hear it from your professors. I have a cousin who is attending SIUE, which is the Southern Illinois University in Edwardsville, and he messages me all the time saying, this is what I'm hearing at school, and this is what my professors say, this is how they think that abortion is okay, because before the baby comes out of the womb, it's, it's not really, it doesn't have any kind of life. I hear all the time that, that we have to have these safe spaces, and you can't say anything that will offend anybody, because, well, that's just mean. Students, I... Uh, I hate to say this, but I think you're going to find your hardest moments yet to come when you go to college. And I don't say that to scare you, I say that to prepare you. Those of you that are in college now, you probably have experienced this yourself. You probably realize very quickly that on a college campus, it's not popular to be a Christian. But I would challenge you to hold fast to your faith to continue walking in God, knowing full well that if you are remained, that if you remain in Him, you will be rooted and built up so that when the storms come, you will be leaning on Him instead of falling over and being blown away by whatever deceit or philosophy that comes your way. And so that is the worst thing that could happen. You know, we, we often think... Uh, but the worst thing that could happen, or a common, some common fears I, I hear from, from parents uh, about their child, and some of the, the things that the worst things that could happen to them is that they are denied the college of their dreams. But that's not the worst thing that could happen to your child. The worst, the worst thing that could happen to your child is not them becoming pregnant or getting into drugs, alcohol, pornography, or any of those addictions, while all of those certainly come with their own sets of challenges and life changes and require repentance from God to a degree, 
Those are not the worst things that can happen to your child. The worst thing that can happen to your child is they graduate, leave the home without their faith and identity in Christ. And they fall into these empty, false philosophies or false gospels that lead them away from God and lead them straight to an eternity separated from God. Which the Bible is very clear about. Without faith in Christ, we are doomed to be eternally separated from God. Without, free, without faith in Christ, we are not free, but rather enslaved to our sin. And all of our culture is, is seeking desperately a remedy for all the pain and suffering in the world. But because they have not gone to Christ, because they have not repented of their sins, they will never find this remedy until they do so. The worst thing that could happen for all of us is to come face to face with God and hear him say, depart from me, for I never knew you. But the beautiful thing is, the beautiful thing is, is that because of Jesus coming to die on the cross for our sins to pay our debt that we couldn't pay, because of Christ, because of what he did, we can be free from our sin, we can have everlasting life, and we can be adopted into God's family, we can walk with God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is everlasting life. I, uh, I shared this with uh, the seniors a few weeks ago when we had our uh, senior luncheon here at the church. Uh, I'm not very old. I'll be 30 years old in August, which blows my mind. So I don't have 12 rules for life, but I do have at least three that I think we all can live by. And if we follow the first one, the other two we won't have to worry about. And the first rule is this, don't procrastinate. Graduates, please hold to that. <laughs> when you get an assignment or a paper, don't procrastinate. Trust me, those late nights where you consume Red Bull, you stay up all night, are not worth it. Even if you somehow manage to get an A and the person working on that paper all month gets a C or something, don't, don't procrastinate. The second rule is don't panic. Life happens. The unexpected happens. It, 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 it will. In those moments, don't panic. Because often the situation is not as big or as scary as what we think it is. And the third rule is don't waste your life. You see, what happens is when we procrastinate, we come to a moment of panic when we see the deadline is coming up or we realize we're running out of time. And so we panic. And then in our panic, we worry. And in our worry, we waste so much of our life worrying about things that will never happen, worrying about things that, that could happen but never will. And the scary thing is we tend to treat church the same way when it comes to the gospel. We hear it week in, week out, and so we procrastinate, we put it off, we think, oh, I'll, I'll do it next week. I'll come forward next week. I'm not ready yet. I'm still a little sleepy. But there will be a time where the deadline's up, where we will come face-to-face -face with God and we won't have another week to put it off. We won't have another second. And it's in that moment we will realize we have lived a wasted life. And so my encouragement to you graduates, to you church family, is to stay rooted in God's word. Is to stay in God's word, to stay, communicate, to stay in communication with God's word. As a side footnote, call your parents every once in a while. Let them know you're okay. Um, but also remember those that have gone before you. Bring everything you hear back to Scripture and see if it is accurate. But if you're here today and you've procrastinated the, on following God, of coming to God, 
being rooted in God for however long it's been, I would encourage you and challenge you, whether you're a student about to graduate or you're an adult or anywhere in between, that you do not walk out those doors today without putting your faith in Christ. I pray that you would live by those three rules where you don't procrastinate so you don't have to panic and you can live a life worthy of the calling God has placed in your life. Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.